Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And I want to make sure that you really take advantage of things that I send out each week. So each week I send out one single email and it's packed with inspiration and resources to really help you become the best version of you. So I want you to sign up at the link in my bio and you will get that every, every week. I've also created a free workbook and it's called How to Be Your Own Change Agent. And it provides really deep insights into what may be holding you back and empowers you to make a major life shift in your life if you need to. So I want you to grab a copy of that as well. That's in the link in my bio as well. And then many times what you'll find is we also have a study guide that we put out that correlates with the the particular show for that week. And so we have some people that like to do a group um, a group work where they they listen to the show, they work on the study guide together, some people do it alone. So I want to make sure that that you always remember that we have all kinds of tools that I'm wanting to give to you in order to really help you be the best version of you. So today, we are going to talk about who's narrating your life. So maybe it's the media, right, telling you what you're supposed to be. Maybe it's parents, family, friends. Maybe it's coworkers that are in, in encouraging you or discouraging you. Maybe it's the past that keeps narrating your life. How about society or religion or a peer group? Maybe regrets or dreams. How about your inner child or your inner parent, right? The inner adult part of you. So I want you to think about how do I interact with love hate, sabotage, maybe traumatized, maybe maybe beat up. So, or is there a part of me that can really support and forgive and encourages and rallies around and allows me to learn and learn through trial and error? You see, humans, mammals, most effectively and unfortunately learn by making mistakes. And so... How do you interact with love when someone loves you? 
if you need to love yourself, if you hate yourself, if you're sabotaging yourself? How about if you, you've been traumatized, even traumatizing ourselves sometimes by how we act toward ourselves? So you want to think about what is this inner voice issue? What is that? And so we've done different shows before on some things. And this is where I want you to understand that when we talk about a kinder, gentler relationship, that's what I'm wanting you to foster inside of yourself. So the Message Bible, and this is Luke chapter 635, I really love this. And it says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. And so if that's the only thing you get from, from this show today is to be kind to yourself, to stop beating yourself up with all this internal dialogue of all the things you didn't do, you should do, you could do, you ought to do, why didn't you do, or I can't believe you did this or did that or said this. And so I want you to think about, wow, a kinder, gentler world. I mean, don't we need that? I mean, what would that be like? So you want to understand that the, the gentler kind of relationship starts with you inside of you. So when I teach people how to treat us, okay, when I teach people, for the most part, there's always going to be those who are going to act just the way they want to without conscience. But <clears throat> I try to treat and teach others how to really treat me by the way I treat myself and by the way I treat you. So I get the best version out of most people because of how I talk to myself and how I talk to them. So we're going to focus first on our inner world and how it then affects the outer world. So what, what we'll discuss and learn is this word and way. So what are the words I use and what, what's the way that I go about living? So this is where we need to figure out how to use them. So I want you to think about the internal world in which we live. So you cannot truly love others or care about others if you don't first do it for yourself. And continuing to circle back to what you need to do to care for you. Think of what would happen if Jesus didn't take care of himself. He couldn't have done what he needed and all his words and feelings would have been in vain. So loving the one that others love is the best way to care for them. So when I take care of myself, my husband feels loved. When I take care of myself, my clients feel loved. So what happens in your relationship when you care for you? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you'll feel better about yourself. You will have greater stamina and energy. You will have more energy to give to others. And not only that, you'll have more grace to give because you know how hard it is to live. You are no longer a stressor or a worry for them. You actually make their life easier. You set a good example. You uncomplicate things. And you know how to have time to enjoy life. So what happens? Well, you'll probably have more money, more time, more energy to enjoy life and others. And we have less to apologize for. 
So what does taking care of yourself really mean? What is it n- not to take care of yourself? So, <clears throat> excuse me, I like this, this book we've talked about, How Words Can Change Your Brain. And so this is a little technical, but this is directly from this book, Words Can Change Your Brain. And it indicates that the most current neuroscientific research reports that by holding a positive and optimistic thought in your mind, you stimulate the frontal lobe activity. See, this area includes specific language centers that connect directly to the motor cortex responsible for moving you into action. So if your words are negative, you will act in a negative manner. If your words are positive, you'll have more energy and move forward. So the research has shown that the longer you concentrate on positive words, the more you begin to affect the other areas of the brain. So a positive view of yourself will bias you towards seeing good in others, whereas a negative self-image will indicate and, and cause you to be more suspicious and doubtful of others. And over time, the structure of your thalamus will also change in response to your conscience, conscious words, thoughts, and feelings. And they believe that these thalamic changes affect the way in which we actually perceive reality. So the way that I think, my internal dialogue, how I explain a situation to myself, what judgments I make about something, directly affects the way I perceive reality. So, you see, in this report, they gave this example that if you, oh, my goodness, I'm having a hard time with words today. If you repetitiously, (laughs) that was a tough word, repetitiously focus on the word peace, saying it aloud or silently to yourself, you'll begin to experience a sense of peacefulness in yourself and in others. You You will come across as a peaceful person. And if you do these practices consistently over a period of time, your sense of compassion will grow. And in fact, some of their most recent studies showed that this kind of exercise will increase the thickness of your neocortex and shrink the size of your amygdala. And the amygdala is the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism in our brain. That's where we're always on alert. That's where we get the adrenaline rush. So... When they looked at these brain scans and the research, it shows that concentrating and meditating on positive thoughts, feelings, and outcomes can be far more powerful than any drug in the world, especially when it comes to how well it changes old habits, behaviors, and beliefs. So to the best of their knowledge, the entire process is driven by a language-based processes of the brain. So by changing the way you use language, you change your consciousness. And this, in turn, influences every thought, feeling, and behavior in your life. So think about that. I really encourage you to read the book, How Words Can Change Your Brain. But what that all meant as we were talking about all of that is it absolutely, truly, really makes a a statement for this verse in, uh, this is in, in Proverbs 23, 7, and it says, For as a man thinketh within, so he is. As a man thinketh. That's the power of thought, and particularly with the use and the application of thoughts to happy and beautiful issues. See, this helps us to actually rewire our brain. 
and to really help ourselves see the good first. And then the bad has to work really hard at getting our attention. Now, that doesn't mean that we're Pollyanna. I I don't want you to, to act like a naive Pollyanna type of person. I want you to recognize that what this does is gives us more stamina for the hardness of life, the struggles of life, the difficulties that we have in life. Because everywhere you go, there you are, right? So if I'm carrying negativity with me, I'm going to find more negativity. It attracts negativity. If I'm more positive, I attract positivity. So the more that we practice this, the more habitual it becomes, the happier we are with our life. We just enjoy our life better. It doesn't mean that anything necessarily has changed. That's what's so fascinating about this. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Stay with me. We're going to talk more about has a man thinketh within so he is and that critical inner voice you have. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Now, please don't forget to visit the website and click on the link in my bio because we have study guides there for you. And we also have a wonderful workbook, and it's called How to Be Your Own Change Agent. And these are all free. So you can sign up, you know, at the link in my bio and you can get these. So I really appreciate all your activity, and just really taking advantage of what we have for you there. So we are talking more about today, who's narrating your life. So who is the one that's telling you what you're doing, what you're not doing, how you should be doing it, why you should be doing it, and giving you some kind of like, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking on what you did previously or yesterday, right? Or even 10 years ago. So we left off with this idea when we have this beautiful verse. It's, it's um, Proverbs 27, 9, and it says, For as a man thinketh within, so he is. Now, this was written thousands of years ago. But this was God imparting this kind of knowledge to man to understand the way he created us and how he made us. And our brain is just like a computer. They're now, they're now really having all kinds of research to show that then our brain works just like the GPS in your car. So if I put the wrong address into my brain, right, or if I put the wrong address into my car, have you ever tried to get that address out to put the right one in? It's tough. It keeps rerouting, right? It keeps trying to find a way. So this is where we have to be really careful about the thinking part of ourselves and how words affect even the structure of the brain. And so there's this great self-help book by James Allen, and it was done in 1903. And it's called As a Man Thinketh. And it's described by Allen as this power of thought, and particularly with the use and the application of thought to be happy and to see beautiful issues. So this guy says he's tried to make the book simple so that that we can all easily grasp and follow its teachings and put it into practice, the methods which it advises. It shows how 
In his own thought world, each man holds the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters into his life. And that by working patiently and intelligently upon your thoughts, you can remake your life and transform your circumstances. So this is 1903, and he was selling the book for one shilling. And he he made it so that it could, could be carried in a person's pocket. And it was also described by Alan as a book that will help you to help yourself. See, this is amazing. 1903, this guy was writing about this, about this idea of narrating, helping you help yourself. How do you think about you? What do you think towards you? What do you think and how do you talk to yourself? So let's talk about what happens with this critical inner voice that many of us have and that many of us have to continue to fight. And so this, this was a really, this was done by the critical inner voice um, by Psych Alive. And I really loved this, this particular article. And what it said in, in, in many ways, it says the critical inner voice is, is a well-integrated pattern a well-integrated pattern of destructive thoughts toward ourself and toward others. It's the nagging voices or the thoughts that make up this internalized dialogue at the root of much of our own self-destructiveness and our own maladaptive behaviors. See, the critical inner voice is not an auditory hallucination. It's experienced as thoughts within your head. And the stream of destructive thoughts forms an anti-self. I'm going to say that again. The stream of destructive thoughts forms an anti-self that discourages individuals from acting in their own best interest. So how does this critical inner voice truly affect us? Well, what, what this gentleman said in 1903 <clears throat> and what the, the, the authors of How Words Can Change Your Brain they are all recognizing that the critical inner voice is a well-integrated pattern of destructive thoughts toward ourselves and others. The nagging voices, they make this internalized dialogue, and the critical inner voice is not like an auditory hallucination, but it's experienced as thoughts within your head. And this stream of destructive thoughts forms an anti-self, and that, think about that. You, you become anti for yourself. You're now against yourself. So how does it really affect us? Well, it's going to affect every aspect of our lives. See, these negative thoughts affect us by undermining our positive feelings about ourselves and others and fostering self-criticism, inwardness, distrust, self-denial, addictions and a retreat from goal-directed activities. So these negative thoughts affect us by undermining every positive thought we could possibly have. And all those thoughts about ourselves, then if they're negative thoughts toward ourselves, we will have a tendency to think negatively about others. And we'll look for the things that are wrong. We'll look for the ways that they don't measure up. We'll get more critical of the people outside of ourselves, because we're so critical of ourselves inside. So what might be some examples <clears throat> of a common critical inner voice? Well, how about this one? I'm sure you've all heard this. You're stupid. 
You're not attractive. You know, you're not like other people. You're weird. There's something wrong with you. You don't get it. You're never going to make it. And this is so imperative that we understand the effect it has on our brain. It's like putting a virus in your computer is what it is. And so it just goes throughout your entire brain and starts to restructure your brain physically. And it starts to become more habituated to negativity. So when we think of that, you know, I'm fat, I'm stupid, nobody loves me, I'm dumb, I, I, don't, I, I don't have a future, whatever that is, what we're doing is we're speaking these things into existence. Now, it's not magic, okay? Please don't get me wrong. This is not magic. What it is is the GPS factor. Everything I'm speaking begins to then be routed in my brain as a way to make what I'm speaking happen. So if I say I'm so fat... Then my brain says, oh, okay, let's get out the fat map. How can we help her get fat? Because that's what she's put into her brain. And this is why this is so imperative that we really get a handle on how we think. Because the way we think is what we will become. So let's think of some, some things that, that are common to critical inner voices, right? So like we said, you're stupid, you're unattractive. But the biggest thing, the biggest change is the I factor. When we say, I'm stupid, I'm fat, I'm not loved, I'm not wanted. These things cause our brain to then walk it out and make it true. So thank you for joining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Stick with me as we go into the next segment and talk about where do these critical inner voices actually come from. Well, thank you for listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and always so glad to have new listeners and longtime listeners, so thank you, because I really do want you to be the best version of you. I want you to enjoy yourself the way God does, that he's so happy that he made you, even when we do some of the stupidest things possible, and maybe some really evil things sometimes. So this is why we're talking about this today, how words change your brain. And how about that narrating voice inside of you? Who is narrating your life for you? So remember to go to the link in my bio, and you can get the study guides for this week and for all the shows past. And you can also get a wonderful workbook, and it's called How to Be Your Own Change Agent. And it really provides some deep insights into what is holding you back. So... This is a good opportunity for you to get the workbook because we're talking about the things that hold us back. And one of those things is a critical inner voice. How do I narrate my experience to me? How do I interpret it? Haven't, haven't you seen how, how interesting it is that we have two witnesses that see the exact same thing and their narration is completely different? So this is what I want you to think about. When, when you are thinking about 
this critical inner voice and where it's coming from, that narrating part of you that constantly is watching you and telling you, hey, that was a good job, or that was really stupid, or you wore the wrong thing. You know, all these types of things that your voice, that, that voice inside of your head is telling you. And if you don't let that voice know that you're in charge, it thinks it's in charge. It just thinks it's doing what it's supposed to do. It doesn't necessarily have a conscience. So where does this critical inner voice come from? Well, it usually comes from early life experiences that are internalized and taken in as ways that help us think or cause us to think about ourselves and others. So often, many of the negative voices come from our parents, primary caregivers. And see, as children, we pick up the negative attitudes that our parents not only have towards their children, but also toward themselves. And so a lot of times, the voices come from interactions with peers and siblings or influential adults. So we start to create a grid or, or a mosaic of how we think we appear to people. So many people think if they just stop listening to the critical inner voice, they'll lose touch with their own conscience. Well, that's, that's just not true. See, the critical inner voice is not a trustworthy moral guide like a conscience. On the contrary, the critical inner voice is really degrading and punishing and leads us to make really unhealthy decisions because now we're in psychic emotional pain. So these negative voices tend to increase our feelings of self-hatred and without motivating us to change the undesirable qualities. It's just like a policeman or, or a critical person that just points out all the things you're doing wrong but won't tell you a way to fix it. So we have to really think about what is this, this thing inside of me and how do I harness it so it works for me, not against me? So how do we conquer that critical inner voice? Well, it does take power over these destructive thought processes. You have to first become conscious of what your inner voice is telling you so you can stop it from ruining your life. So the way to identify this is to pay attention to when you suddenly slip into a bad mood or become upset. Because often the negative shifts in your mood might be a result of some negative thinking. So you can take some control over your inner voice by consciously deciding not to listen. Instead, though, you can, you can really use actions that are in your own best interest. And that's to recognize that, hey, this is a moderator, this is a narrator, and I'm not going to get rid of it, so I want to really find a way that it works for me, not against me. And so when we think about the critical inner voice, yeah, you, you think about the fact that, that the thought is, the, is language, and it's of a defensive type of process. So it's been defined as an integral system of thoughts and attitudes and being antithetical toward yourself and hostile toward others, and that it's at the core of an individual's maladaptive behavior. Now, that was quite a mouthful. And really what I want you to understand is that more than anything, if we have critical voices in our lives and we integrate them and we believe them, 
we start to act them out. That's the verse that says, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. So if I just take in those criticisms, those judgments, those ideas that culture has given me, and I believe them, I just swallow them whole, I'm going to start walking that out. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about who is narrating your life. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, and I so appreciate you listening. And I have to tell you that um, this show is quite poignant for me. And I was just telling Jeremy, my great producer, that I got a text message from one of my clients telling me they were waiting outside my office. And I'm sitting here at the radio station, which tells me that they now missed their session. And it was because it's my fault. So I want you to know that we all do these things. And I can narrate it in a way that says I'm a terrible therapist and, you know, I don't know how to manage time or whatever kinds of condemnation I want to throw on myself. Or I can simply say I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it as best as I can. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. And I'm, I'm not enjoying the fact that my clients missed a session on my, because of me. But I do want you to know that this is life, and this is what we want to do. So I apologize to these people. I said, I'm going to take care of this. And then I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I know I didn't do it on purpose. I wouldn't ever do it on purpose. So I can really forgive myself. So I want you to think about that. When you have that critical inner voice that has nagging thoughts, and doubts and increases our nervousness and it, it interferes with our performance right at various times and most of us many times are unaware of the sneering belittling self belittling self-criticisms that really are only the tip of an iceberg if we've been doing it for a long time and so this is where we have to ask ourselves: Maybe there's a well-hidden enemy within each of us that influences our actions, interferes with the pursuit of our personal and career goals, and has an overall negative impact on our lives. Well, it does. And what I want you to recognize is that that inner critic, it doesn't have a conscience. It really thinks it's doing its job well. It's trying to tell you how to do something better. It's trying to, you know, sound the alarm, the sirens to tell you that you, what you're doing is wrong. And the problem is, because it does it in a critical manner, we get defensive. We don't want to hear it. Or we buy into it and give up. And we say, well, I guess, yeah, that's right. That is who I am. I seem to do it all the time. So I guess that's just me. And this is why we want to think about this critical inner voice can be thought of kind of like the language of the defensive process. So it's been defined as an integrated system of thoughts and attitudes. It's antithetical towards self, and it's hostile toward others. And that's at the core of an individual's what we call maladaptive behavior. See, it's the defensiveness that causes us to create a lot of the maladies that we have. Because we don't understand or buy into the fact that we are a one-time occurring 
person, one-time-occurring, mistake-making person that is deeply loved, highly valued. And I've told you many times on this show that, you know, when they go to um, execute prisoners that have done heinous, heinous behaviors, and that's why they're actually being, you know, executed, is that when they put the needle in their arms, they've already sterilized the needle that they're going to kill them with. This is how much we value humans, and you need to understand that that voice inside of you, even though it's kind of upside down and backwards, is actually trying to help you. So you can talk to it. You can say, okay, thank you for sharing. I'm not going to take that one. Or, yes, you're right, and I know I can change. So I'm glad that my mind kind of gave me a heads up told me it wasn't the right thing to do. That's my conscience. And I can say, hey, thank you for telling me. It doesn't mean I'm condemned. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. See, I can use that, that part of my brain the same way that we have indicators on our cars, right, that, that start beeping when we get too close to something. See, that's what this part of our brain is for. And so it's supposed to help us. But what happens is we get so caught up in the negative word or implication that we start to internalize that negativity and we feel shame instead of seeing it simply as information. So when we think about this idea of listening, see, we can form an intrapsychic communication that kind of represents, it seems like a split between the individual and, and, the, and forces that are life-affirming and those that are antagonistic toward ourselves. So the listening to the voice doesn't mean I believe the voice. It doesn't mean I agree with the voice. It's just a narrator. That's all it is. It's a narrator. So if I'm getting past narrations, like, well, I heard this when I was growing up, and now I'm saying it to myself, I can say, you know what, I don't have to do that. I can reject that. I can say to my brain, thank you for sharing. I'm not buying into that today. And I know this may sound silly, but I'm telling you, it really works. So this is how we start to be for ourselves and not against ourselves. See, all of us are divided within ourselves. On the one hand, we have self-regard. We have traits and behaviors that maybe we like and we feel comfortable with. We have natural tendencies to grow and develop and to pursue all these personal and vocational goals. You know, as well as we want to be in close relationships, we want to have meaning in our life. Well, these qualities all make up who we really are. And they reflect what we call an undefended part of our personality and a friendly, compassionate view of ourself. See, this is how little kiddos interact. They don't, they don't know they're bad until we've told them. Think about that. They don't know they've done something bad until we've told them. As they grow up, they begin to understand differently what's bad and what is good. But originally, see, God had to tell Adam and Eve, don't do this, it's bad. Don't eat of the fruit of good and evil, right? Don't eat from that tree. And so, because they were young, they did it anyways. This is where you have to understand that the positive parts of us consist of these unique characteristics about us, these abilities and attributes and, and our temperament, as well as positive traits that we naturally may be incorporated from our parents. 
but it first develops and grows as a result of our parents and what other concerned adults, you know, their nurturing qualities and behaviors and the love and the care they directed toward us. So you can see that if I was, if I was parented negatively, that I was told everything I was doing wrong, but I was never told what I was doing right, see, that's kind of like, you know, downloading an app in your brain. So you have to say to yourself, I can delete that app. I cannot be negative, judgmental toward myself. I can do that. And I can learn that the critical inner voice is different for every person. Some people have a very, very prolific inner critic. Some people barely hear it. <clears throat> so it determines our ability to interpret events realistically. And it triggers negative moods and sabotages our pursuit of satisfaction and meaning in life. It's the part of us that's guilting us all the time. It, and this is the part that happens then that we want to rebel against it. So if you're telling me I'm bad, I'm going to do something worse. Or if you're telling me that I'm a bad person, well, I'm going to have to do something else bad to manage the bad feelings that I have. And so think about this idea that most of us are conscious of some aspects of this inner voice. And many of the negative thoughts exist on an unconscious level. So sometimes we might recognize them. And other times we might just, it's kind of unclear, but, and we kind of just accept it as true because we're not exactly sure. It's like a notion. It's like a passing feeling. And so <clears throat> these thoughts are having an effect on our emotions, and then our emotions affect our actions, and that affects the overall quality of our life. And so I want you to understand, first and foremost, the critical inner voice is not your conscience, okay? Now, it can work with your conscience, but you are born with a conscience. That is a God-given thing that humans innately know what things are harmful, what things are mean, what is bad. It doesn't mean that at every level we understand. But there's a part of us that knows, you know, you just shouldn't do that to somebody even if they maybe feel like they deserve it. And so the critical inner voice is the one that is narrating your life, not necessarily guiding your life. I don't want you to be guided by a critical inner voice. See, when you become conscious of what it's telling you, you can stop it from running your life. And the challenge is to identify and then really eradicate this internal covert operation. And to do this, you have to be on the lookout for when you slip into a bad mood or become upset. And you have to investigate. You have to say, hey, what caused the shift? Was it that that person's, I don't know, they kind of looked at me funny? Or I feel like maybe I got too big at the party. Maybe I overstepped. You know, what, what's going on inside of me that all of a sudden I'm not feeling free? I'm not feeling relaxed. So this is what we have to do when we investigate and think about what caused the shift, what happened. And most importantly, what am I telling myself now after the event? See, the fact that the mood shifted from a feeling of optimism to negativity or relaxed feeling 
to being irritable is probably a sign that you're interpreting the event through your inner critic, not through your conscience or your identity. So if you've identified the critical inner voice, then what is it trying to get you to do? So when you pinpoint the actions that it's advocating, you can take control over them, and you can consciously decide to take an action against it or for it. Like sometimes our conscious conscience may tell us something very derogatory, but really what it's trying to tell us is, hey, that's not a good idea. I'm sorry I didn't say it very nicely. And this is where we want to make sure that we recognize how shame occurs in this way. And remember, shame is that, that, that terrible thing that says, I'm a bad person, versus the conscience says, I did a bad thing. So I want you to recognize that if you're listening to that internal inner critic and you start feeling less than, like there's something dreadfully wrong with you, you've got to fix something, you're not lovable, you're not valuable, then you want to say to yourself, I'm not going to take on that shame. I might do bad things, but I'm not a bad person. And I'm allowed to make mistakes and learn from them, and that makes me a good person. And this is why we want to believe so that we don't hide and cover and lie and fake our way through life. See, feeling like, you know, God forbid anyone finds out who I really am, right? So let's really talk about that. Let's really think about that. How do you relate to you? How are you narrating your life to yourself? Is it a helpful cheerleader that's narrating to you? Or is the narrator, your inner critic, telling you all the things that you haven't done, should done, have, could do, would do, ought to do, and burdening you with all kinds of things that you also can't undo, right? Because maybe it happened in the past and I can't do anything about it now other than learn from it. And learning from what, we're, what we don't like, learning from what we've done wrong that didn't work, that's the hallmark of a very intelligent person. Intelligent people learn. And intelligent people with a conscience are really good people. So thank you so much for joining me today. I want you to have a great rest of your week. And please be kind to yourself. Please be kind. God is kind. You be kind. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated 
and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. <laughs>